Along with every media outlet in the country over the last number of days, we had a huge reaction to the sermon given during Mass in Listowel last weekend. The priest who delivered the homily, Father Sean Sheehy, has defended the controversial comments which he made during the sermon at St. Mary's Church in Listowel, saying that he was preaching the Word of God and all priests are obligated to do so. And I'm glad to say that Father Sean Sheehy joins me now. Good morning to you, Father Sean. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And uh, more importantly, how are you? What is it like to be at the centre of the storm all week? I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it can be overwhelming, I suppose, in a way. And it's certainly something that I certainly never, never wanted, you know, uh, at all. But uh, it, obviously, as people have said to me, you know, you must have touched a, it. Must have touched a nerve somewhere, and you know, I really had to sit down and say, "My gracious me!" You know, um, did what I did what I say uh, contradict the scriptures or contradict the teaching of the church? And I mean, I had to, to say, "No, it does not." And I thought, well, you know, why then is this so controversial and so on? So. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, I, I did experience um, a piece as well that said, look, like St. Peter says in his letter, better to be criticized, you know, for doing something, you know, that's in accord with God's will rather than doing something that's wrong. So I said, look, and my job as a priest, obviously, is that I'm obligated, you know, to, to, to teach or to preach what the Catechism teaches and what the Scriptures teach. So I guess that's my whole foundation at the present moment. And I certainly did not want to hurt anybody or to offend anybody. Then again, I suppose, you know, the nat- as a priest said to me one time, he said, you know, you can't really preach the gospel anymore because it might offend someone. So maybe that's the culture. Maybe it, 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 it actually highlights the nature of the modern culture that exists today vis-a-vis the church. Because I asked, I asked yeah. actually an interviewer, I said, mm-hmm. why, did, why was Jesus nailed to the cross? And he tried to evade it, but finally he said, well, because his agenda didn't suit the agenda of the others. I said, exactly. I said, the church's agenda, which is to preach the Word of God, does not suit the modern culture's agenda. And I think that's, that's, maybe that's the root cause of yeah. all of this and publicity. Did you, did you genuinely not realize that the content of your sermon would have such an effect. I mean, no, did, never no. did. Never did. And would that be the normal content of your sermons o- over the course of your priestly life? My sermons, my sermons, because the church herself has taught, you know, that the priest on Sundays, for example, is is uh, called upon to focus on the scriptures of the Sunday. So that's what I've done. So, so whatever uh, uh, message uh, I find in the in the content of the scriptures for the particular Sunday, that's what I base my sermon on. So, I, you know, I, I'm not one of those people, you know, who focuses on one particular topic and uh, emphasizes it, you know, time after time after time. I really base my homilies on the Scriptures and, of course, also uh, check out the Scriptures in line with the teaching of the Church as well. That's, and the that, that's interesting because some some of the priests pointed out that earlier on in your Mass that uh, the Scriptures were about you know, about reconciliation with people and love of people. Of, and all. Course, of course. Fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. Of course there's about reconciliation. But in order for reconciliation to take place, people have to identify sin for what it is. 
they they need to repent and then seek forgiveness. And that's the joy of reconciliation, which actually Jesus has made available to everyone. But to enjoy that peace and that joy that comes from knowing that God forgives me, I must identify my sin, I must repent of it and say, Lord, please forgive me. That's the reality here, isn't it? Father Roy Donovan, I'm I'm not sure if you know him, he's the head of the Association of Catholic Priests in Ireland, and he was on the show yesterday, and he made the point that there is nothing... You know, he, 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 this is his words. He said there's nothing in the Bible that condemns same-sex relationships at all. Let me, let me, look, he, obviously he hasn't read the Catechism in a while, and obviously he doesn't really know much about the Scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, tell him that he ought to, he ought to read, for example, in the Catechism, you know, paragraph 2359, that says homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. That's the teaching of the Church. He ought to read Genesis, for example, 19, uh, one of the following. He ought to read Romans. He ought to read Corinthians. He ought to, ought to read Timothy. See, the pro- and I tell you, frankly, uh, you know, um, the the association of priests, I think, have done more to cause confusion among honest-to-goodness Catholics than probably any other group in this country. You, because you, I think they're a disgrace to the Church, because they want to change the Church's teaching again to suit their own agenda. You, you, know, me- you mentioned Genesis 19 there, and, you know, I mean, if, if you go along with everything that's in Genesis 19, I mean, for instance, I don't have to tell you this, but, but Lot, for example, when the angels wanted to have sex with the men, she said, no, you can't do that, but here's a couple of virgin daughters of mine, and you can do what you will with them. Now, that is the teaching of but Genesis here, as well. But the, but the teaching of Genesis is basically pointing out that sex between two men, sex between two women is, first of all, abnormal, contrary to the law of nature, and contrary to the will of God. That's the message there, and that has been reinforced again right. in, in, by the teaching of the Church. Uh, but could you just explain then what you, what you interpret that to mean, that she was willing to give her virgin daughters to be raped? And, and as that, opposed that, to the men, the word, the word rape is not in there at all. Well, okay. No, well, no. now you see what you're doing. Now you see is you're taking you're taking this particular scripture. You see out of context. You have to see the before. And well, you have I could to see say the, the same to you, Father Sean. That no, you, no, no. I'm not taking it out of context at all because what I'm saying is that this is reinforced by the paragraph that I just read to you mm-hmm. from the teaching of the Church. That the fact is that homosexual relationships are mortally, I mean, sexual relationships, not friendships, obviously. They're, they're, they're mortally sinful because they contravene the law of God. Also, they contravene the teaching of the Church that says that sex outside of marriage is a mortal sin. The fa- Father Roy Donovan also said that you need to update uh, your <laughs> understanding of the Bible, that uh, new biblical research is telling us that there's no condemnation whatsoever there in terms no, of sexual there, love. You know, that makes me laugh, not at you. Uh, no, 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 and that's uh, fine. fine. Not at you at all, because I think you're, you're, you know, you've been very honest, you know, in your questions, and I appreciate that. But the fact is, again, you see, it's like, like some of these people said, well, you know, the Bible is written by men, you know, so how can you trust that? You see, that's the whole mantra. Oh, everything is going to be updated. Everything is going to be changed, you know. Well, in Throughout Vatican II, I mean, it was clearly stated, you know, we 
the, the teaching of the church does not alter in terms of her basic teachings. Uh, and so therefore then, we don't change to suit the culture. Mm. The whole thrust of the church is to be counter-cultural. But, but Father Sean, with Vatican II, we changed to suit the culture, did we not? No, 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 no. The interpretation of Vatican II by, by many people tried to go along with the culture. But the Vatican II, as Pope Benedict pointed out with his, what he called the hermeneutic of continuity, Vatican II continued the traditional teaching of the Church, which is the apostolic uh, tradition that was handed on by Jesus, by the apostles. So, no, we're trying to change the teaching of the Church just to suit the, the, the present-day culture that basically is so self-absorbed that the whole idea of sin is anathema to it, the whole idea of sacrifice is anathema to it. The whole idea of chastity is anathema to it. And that's the problem. I, I'm delighted we can talk as we are because I've heard some of your interviews during the week and there were a lot of hysterics involved and I, I'd prefer to just have it as we're having it here now, which is a genuine conversation. But could I bring you something from one of our listeners who says, uh, will you tell Father Sheehy that I have a gay son? I'm very upset for him to say that he will go to hell. As I, I know did not say that. Hold on now. Let me start to interrupt right. you there. I never said that. That is a total lie. I never said that a person who has a homosexual orientation will go to hell. I said repeatedly, the church right. has no problem with But if people. he has a gay relationship, if he has yeah, if, a, if a, a sexual I, relationship. I'm glad you said that. Yes. It's a sexual relationship that, that is the sin. Right. Not, the, not the orientation, it's the sexual relationship right. that's sinful. But, but if there's love between two people, whether it's man or woman or man and man, I mean, surely the cement of that is for to have a... Um, a relationship that is sexual and that is loving. <laughs> so, so you're saying then that you're saying then that love condones sin. Well, you see, I well, this is where we differ. I I wouldn't see it as sin, but obviously you do. <clears throat> love, love never, love never condones sin. Yeah, never condones sin. But it depends on what what you call sin. You know, well, sin is anything that goes against the law of God, the will of God, and the teaching of his church. And is that's, that not down sin. to interpretation of what is no, the word no, of God? No, 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 that's, that's the church's traditional teaching over the last 2,000 years. Mm. I mean, what is so sad for me today is that people don't seem to understand the whole reality of sin at all. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Is it, is it because it's not being preached? Is it not because it's not being taught to, to people in schools? Is it not being taught to adults? I mean... Obviously, there is some reason for this ignorance about sin and its destructiveness. We see it everywhere. Right. And if your fellow priests are saying things like, and again, I'm referring to Roy Donovan yesterday, representing Catholic priests in Ireland. Oh, but you see. He said, gay or trans is just as normal orientation as heterosexuality. Well, you see, I mean, where is he coming from? Even the science will tell you clearly that the whole idea of transgender, you know, is, is absolutely ridiculous because DNA says you're either a man or a woman, and that's it. There are only two genders. There's no such thing as transgender. No man can become a woman. No woman can become a man, and that's the reality. Right, but with kindness... Scientifically, with, even scientifically. Right, but with kindness and gentleness, would you not think that if somebody is in that space and they feel... The, that they are female or male within the uh, the opposite body, that they should be treated kindly and gently. And of course, 
everybody should be treated kindly, Jack. Everybody not, should not be treated kindly. Not to be condemned, Father Sean. They, uh, yeah, but the whole point is, I'm not condemning the person. I'm condemning. The, I'm not condemning the person. I'm condemning the action, and I'm condemning the action not because. Uh, I am uh, the judge. I'm condemning the action because it is contrary to the teaching of Jesus and his church. That's the reason. Your your bishop seems to have opposing views to you. Um, are, you well, al- are you allowed to say Mass now, Father Sean? Uh, yeah, not publicly, no, but I say Mass here at home. Right, but you've been told you cannot say Mass publicly. Yeah, he said, well, I don't know what he meant, but he said, you know, until the local parish priest, you know, comes back from his from his pilgrimage. I don't know what he means by that. What do you think he means by that? I have no idea, because he never told me. When you compare he never, this... He never sat down to talk to me person to person. And why do you think that is? I have no idea. No idea. Your your ministry in the States, um, were they more accepting... That your, 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 your flock in the States, were they more accepting of your views than exactly. Irish people? Absolutely, absolutely, because, first of all, I think because they were far more uh, uh, knowledgeable regarding their Catholic faith, because they had to be, because where I worked, actually, Catholics were in a minority, and they had to be Catholic by choice, not not because of their families or whatever it was, and they did. I mean, what I liked, I suppose, about the Americans was that, the, as, as many of them often told me, we want to know exactly what the Church teaches, and we'll decide whether we believe it or whether we don't, but we, at least we want to know what we're believing or what we're not believing. That was the mentality. So, and they did. the fact that Pentecostal Christians, Father Sean, in the state supported Trump, who is not a man of moral standing. I mean, most people would agree. You know, how how do you feel about that? That you know, it's politicized well, you know, in the state. It's states. interesting, though, is it? Yeah, you say he was not a man of moral standing, mm. but he certainly had an appreciation of life. Far more, for example, uh, than some of those people, you know, who call themselves Christians. I mean, Trump was probably the most pro-life president that America has had yeah. in, in, in many years. And he actually was the only president, actually, since the whole Roe v. Wade thing was, was uh, legalized, uh, to send his vice president to speak, actually, in Washington at the pro-life march. So it's ironic, isn't it, that this man, you know, uh, who certainly uh, was no paragon of virtue in, in, in terms of sexuality, at the same time, though, he spoke up for life. But, but, also, but was, was he not just playing you? Uh, and when I say you, I mean the greater movement. Was he not just playing no, you? No, he was he, not at all. No, the one thing I think that uh, uh, about uh, Trump was, whether you agree with him or not, was that uh, I think he, he basically said what he meant, and I think he meant what he said. And he certainly was one of the best things that happened to America, especially for the working man and woman in the street, because he certainly cared about them. He, he, he wasn't an ideologue, you know, like, like many, people, many people are today. He basically, as he said himself, wanted to make the country great. And to do that, he wanted to be true to the Constitution. The same thing is true with us. If we want to be great as Christians, we must be true to the Constitution, which is enshrined in the Bible and in the teaching of the Church. But you're speaking in support of a man who was a misogynist and who treated treated women abominably. No, no, I'm not supporting the man at all. I'm supporting what he did for the country as a president. How do you think we are here politically, because Leo Vradkar came out very strongly against you when you put forward the notion that he was heading for hell. Um, well, if he doesn't, if, if any any person 
who is committing mortal sin, if that person does not repent and seek forgiveness, then that person will go to hell. Again, that's the teaching of the Scriptures and the Church. That's why Jesus gave the Church the sacrament of reconciliation, to give people an opportunity to repent and seek forgiveness. Right. And the fact, Father Sean, that you're completely at odds with the modern Catholic Church in Ireland, does that, does that concern you? When you say the modern, the modern Catholic Church, I mean, the, the, the Church is neither modern, nor old, nor anything else. The right. Church is the Church that has continued over the last 2,000 years, and Jesus promised he would be with his Church until the end of time. Right. So the Church does not kowtow to any era, to any regime, to any ideology, uh, or anything like that. Right, but that's, the, but that's it, the great thing about the church. But it has changed, Father. It Sean. hasn't changed. It well, hasn't changed. Well, well, I beg your pardon. It has because I mean, we were told that we were supposed to stone women in the streets, for you example. Were, you were not told. Well, you were what about to poor stone old women? Abraham that thought he had to kill his son by way of? Oh, you're talking about you're talking about Abraham. You're talking about another time in history. You're also talking too about you know when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son because child sacrifice was common in the culture and then God says, no, you don't do that at all. You see. Right, but he brought him right to the brink, you know. Oh, well, of course he brought him right to the brink, which was a test of whether or not he had total faith in God, that God would be faithful to his promises to give Abraham a son. And so the great test was, Abraham, offer up your son to me. And Abraham did, and God showed him that he would be faithful to his promises because he gave Isaac back to Abraham. Look, look people, people take the scriptures completely out of context. Right. Well, explain so, to me about the stoning of women. What about the church? They never advocated the stoning of women. Well, yes, they did if they had no, crossed they the not. line. No, no, no. They did not. Jesus himself, actually, in the woman who was accused of committing adultery, you know, he, he said, has anybody here, you know, uh, 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 condemned you? She said, no one, sir. He says, nor do I. He said, but he also, he said, go and do not do that sin anymore. And is that the core of it for you? That's the core of it. Do not do that sin anymore. Did you ever doubt your faith, uh, Father Sean? I've never, I've never really doubted it. Of course I've asked questions over the time. When I was in the seminary, for example, the whole thrust at that time was to break down the faith that you had, whatever faith you had received from your parents and whatnot, and then build it up in accord with the Scriptures and in accord with the teaching of the Church, so that as a priest... You will not simply give your own opinion. You will precisely give what the church teaches. As a student said to me one day in class, I want to know exactly the teaching. I don't want your opinion. I said, absolutely. My opinion will die with me, but the teaching of the church will go on till the end of time. And are you not concerned there that, you know, some of the teaching might have been lost in translation in some way, and now maybe as we look at it with, with fresh eyes, that we, we might come up with a different interpretation of the Bible? No, because if the Bible is inspired, and if the Church is founded by Jesus Christ, and if the keys uh, of, of, of the kingdom are given to the Church to explain the Scriptures authentically, and in, in their integrity, then certainly there will be no new understandings of the Bible, just like there's no new revelation. There will be no new... I mean, all kinds of people interpret the Scriptures. Martin Luther, for example, said, look, anybody can read the Scriptures. They're very simple. 
you know. But what happened? He forgot about the fact that everybody reads things out of who they are themselves rather than the way they're supposed to read them. And what do you have today? You have over 25,000 different Protestant groups all stating that they believe in the Bible. This Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. Right, but you... God calls people to unite. But you still think that, yeah, a couple of this is what to ask you a specific question. So let me do that right now. Um, what do you think, for example, of the pedophilia that went on with the, in the church, horrible. the the abuse, the awfulness horrible. of that? Yeah, horrible, absolutely horrible. Like like uh, Pope, Fran, uh, Pope Benedict called it, he said, "Filth, filth again," as a result of sin, which came about as well as a result of not identifying pedophilia, not identifying. Uh, homosexual relationships with young boys as mortally sinful. And as a result of not identifying the sin and recognizing the seriousness of it, they just decide to go right ahead with it and take advantage of poor, vulnerable, vulnerable young people and whatnot. Horrible. And a lot of that came about because there was no overseeing uh, by the hierarchy of what was actually happening in the parishes. And, so, and uh, I mean, you know, I know many good priests indeed, but some good priests stayed silent on this. I mean, were you aware of pedophilia uh, going on around it, you, for example? But uh, look, is it any wonder they stayed silent uh, about it? Because they're afraid. No, there's no excuse for them to stay silent. As well, far as I, I know, I'm but, but, but the same thing is true today. You know, like the priest, you know, like the preacher said to me, look, you can't preach the gospel because it might offend somebody. So what does that person do? You stay silent. Why? And you can see what's happening because they're afraid of a backlash. They're afraid of the media, they're afraid of the press and so on. They're also afraid too that they may not be supported by their local bishops. Right. And that's a horrible state to be in. And Father Sean, did you stay silent? No, I did not stay silent. On that issue? Not at all, not at all. Did you speak not out? At not at all. I did speak out because I knew of cases that I went to the bishop with myself and said, look, uh, you need to address this. And uh, and sadly, in many cases, it was not addressed at all. And and actually, some of the people that I knew who had actually committed uh, a pedophilia uh, actually ended up committing suicide, which I thought was another tragedy. Because, again, uh, the, the, the hierarchy did nothing at all to address it. Uh, and thinking, thinking that by moving a priest from one place to another, somehow that it would just go away. Or, or thinking that it was just a moral problem rather than just also a psychological and emotional problem as well. So it wasn't dealt with. Are you in a lonely place now? You know what? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Actually, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm not in a lonely place because you know what? I have received so much support from from priests, from people who have identified themselves as seminarians, and also from from the lay people, the lay Catholics, mothers and fathers who are concerned about the world into which their children are are moving. Actually, it it it, it has been in that sense has been unbelievable. So so that actually has 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 told me that look. You, you know, no matter how much, you know, you didn't want all this attention, maybe, maybe that God will certainly bring good out of this. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Some of the for everybody, for everybody, both those, both those who support and those who are uh, opposed. Because S God loves everybody. Some of the commentary around your sermon was that 
you did want this kind of notoriety. You d- oh, well, you d- of course, that's, that's how people will frame yeah. it, isn't it? <laughs> but you, you didn't want this. That's, that's oh, what absolutely. Think. The last thing in the world that I wanted. Mm. The yeah. last thing in the world. But you think some good, as far as you're concerned, might come out of this in some way? I do believe that God will bring some good out of it. And the reason I believe that is because, as I've said to you, that it was based on the scriptures and the teaching of the church as it exists at this very moment and will exist until the end of time. Are you comfortable at home in Kerry at this point, or would you prefer to go back to maybe no, you know, no, people would be of similar views to yourself, maybe? No, actually, uh, look, there are plenty of people here who actually have similar views to me. I mean, any mm. honest to God Catholic Christian should have similar views to me. I mean, that's the reality. Right. So, and and the people who haven't, are are we all doomed? Are we? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. That's the great thing you see about what I said. You know, all those who who disagree with what I'm said, all they have to do is sit down, listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to them, listen even to their conscience, and recognize that in all humility, maybe what that what is being spoken is the truth. And I need to embrace the truth because only the truth will set me free. And, and Jesus is the truth. And just finally, Father Sean, then, if the bishops, right. if some, well, some, I won't say all bishops, if a lot of bishops are disagreeing with you, if the Association of Catholic Priests are disagreeing with you, what does it say for the future of the Church in Ireland as far as you're concerned? As far as I'm concerned, the, look, we already see what's happening to, to, the, to the Church in Ireland in terms of the participation I mean, over the last couple of years that I've been here, I've gone around to different churches helping out priests, and honest to goodness, I mean, it's, sometimes it's depressing when you see just a few people uh, in the pews. And I think a lot of it is because they are not hearing the Word of God, uh, both in terms of, of, of support, but also in terms of challenging them to really live the Christian life. An interesting question here. Did Father Sean ever fall in love? I did. <laughs> I did. did. Tell, I did. Can you tell me about that? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you about it, but I did, absolutely. And, and, and it was actually as a result of that that I discerned the vocation to the priesthood. Was it indeed? Yes. And do you often think back on what you might have missed out on? No, I, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Do you not? <laughs> no, no. No, oh. I don't, really. And was it, a because... hor- was it a horror or a hymn? <laughs> Look... What do you think? I don't know. I you don't, don't know. That's, I mean, that's a silly question, isn't it, to ask me? Uh, I mean, let's face it. Was uh, it a her or was it a him uh, that I was in love with? Yeah. You know, what, how stupid is that question? I don't know. But I mean, it's, totally, it's totally stupid and it shows you too. Well, you, you, know, told, you, you, you told me that you... You've you been pretty... Pretty good as an interviewer. I have to yeah. say that you'll be pretty Thank good you. as an interviewer. You. you know, but by the same token, to say was it a him or a her? No, but I, I mean, I, I'm justified in asking because I, maybe if, that's if, the culture. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. It's just that you have such strong feelings about this that you may have walked away from something that you wanted no, yourself. Well, maybe. Look, don't try to psychology. You know, uh, try to uh, uh, analyze me. You know, psychologically and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, of course not. I mean, I was in a normal relationship, you know, with 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 a, a young woman, yeah. and uh, uh, and was a result of that. I mean, <laughs> her or him. I mean, let's say fifty or sixty years ago, you wouldn't even think of asking such a question, would you? Probably not. Probably no. not. No, and it goes to show you then how corrupted 
the 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 world has become culturally mm. to even to even legitimize a question like that. It also shows you too how powerful this whole homosexual agenda mm. has uh, has been allowed to become that it dominates mm. the, it dominates the, the 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 culture dominates everything see, the there, schools, there, there everything. was nothing wrong with the question because you didn't act on this so therefore you didn't break any you know if if that were to be the case you didn't break any rules of you know, I mean, the break way, any rules about what? Well, the, you didn't break any rules of the church if you didn't act upon something like that. I mean, sure, what? No, happened? I didn't break any rules. Yeah. No, of course yeah, I didn't course. break any. Rules. But what I'm saying is that this whole culture, yes. this whole LGBT, whatever it is, culture, I mean, has so has so influenced the culture. It, it seems like that's all they're talking about. And I even saw that in in a, in a in an article about the synodal way. Where the LGBT, you know, they got everything in, in almost in capital letters, whereas the other poor groups also, who uh, were called, you know, to repent, got just the ordinary referencing and so on and so forth. So it goes to show, you know, why are, are, is this so powerful, you see? Why, why is this dominating the culture, dominating the media, dominating the schools? You know, when a mother tells me, for example, that her, her little nine-year-old boy comes home and says, oh, Mommy, I learned in school today that I could become a girl. I mean, that's corruption. That's child abuse. Father Sean, it was really good to talk to, to, you, to you today. And, and we, wanted, we do appreciate your time. I congratulate you on your interviewing. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Thank you, Father Sean. You. Thank you and bye-bye to you.